Hey, welcome to Gig Stories with Music People. I'm your host, Evan Michael, at the Spacement Recording Studio in Los Angeles, California. This is episode 20, and joining me in studio was fellow bassist Nick Fakbaseth from Los Angeles, California. Nick is currently gigging with Dust Bowl Revival and Patio Club. He's toured the country many times over with the Wild Reeds, Robert John and the Wreck, and many others. I do mention it during the, the conversation, but the Wild Reeds has long time been one of my favorite bands coming out of LA. And I'd highly recommend checking them out when you have a chance. It was awesome getting to hear some of Nick's uh, tour stories and getting his perspective as someone who just like loves being on tour and on the road. Uh, he seems like a great guy to be on tour with, honestly, just like super chill and even tempered, easygoing. Uh, follow him at Namaste Out My Way on Instagram. I'm at Evan on the Bass. The studio is at the underscore spacement. The podcast at Gig Stories with Music People. Thanks for listening, liking, sharing, etc. Let's get to it. Enjoy. Welcome to the podcast. Good, <laughs> good to be here. here. <laughs> it's feeling good, feeling great. Yeah, man. Good to see you in uh, the flesh. Yeah. So we're saying, uh, when was the last time we was, seen yeah, each other? Yeah, we're trying to think of when the last time. Uh, it's definitely been a few years. Um, and I think I saw you play with the Wild Reeds maybe at the bootleg. Right, was right. maybe the last time. Yeah, that, that had to be around like... Or the Troubadour. Oh, the Troubadour. Oh, yeah. Because that wasn't that long. That was a badass show, that too. Had, yeah, that had to be within 2018, 2019. Yeah. Um, yeah. And uh, that's that's been going on. Um, we, uh, we've we been taking more time to uh, work on our solo projects through, uh, obviously, the pandemic and all. Yeah. Uh, so we haven't, obviously, been doing too much. Uh, but also, like, you know, venturing out into wherever we can for ourselves, too, a little bit. And, uh, uh, yeah. We've all been move, moving towards bigger, better things. That's fair. I I do miss seeing you guys play. I, I feel like I've seen the Wild Reeds. It's like one of the bands I've seen the most that I haven't like been in. Yeah, or, or I mean, from from back in those times when we were playing shows together, and like, yeah, I guess we could start from there. Yeah. No. Yeah. We I, that is a good start because like you you're you guys. Uh, the jukebox has kept up with us, like, like, you know, gave us places to stay all across this country too. Like right. we're saying with Vols and like, or just having just the community that has helped us. Um, it has been a big one, and it's crazy who we've met along through those years. And yeah, I, that was a cool. I mean, so what I remember, I think it might have even been your first show with them. It was Rafa's Lounge, Oof. and uh, there was no drums yet. And it was like just the three girls and uh, and you playing bass. And I, I, maybe I miss, I'm misremembering, but I thought maybe they said that it was your first show with them. That I think that... Remind me where Rafa's is? That's the one oh, that's right else? by the Echo, Echoplex, where it's like... It's like that art space. Yeah, that's okay. like in between. It's like in the hill. Yeah, no, I remember that. <laughs> do you remember that, that place? I do remember that? Oh, I'm getting I, all the flashbacks. I just remember walking in. I think they were had already started or were just starting, and I, I had some friends come along too because uh, it was Blackwater Jukebox show, right. and we were all just like, "Holy shit, this band's awesome!" You know, and like 
exchanged info after kind of thing. And I don't know. Yeah, maybe I don't know if you remember if that was your first show with them. Or I, not, I, 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 that's a really good one because it's such a blur. Yeah, I bet. But it also that that sounds about right. I do remember that being one of the first shows. Um, before that, I was actually like called in for a couple gigs. So a little background on the history of the band. Okay. Uh, it was uh, for the listeners out there. Yeah. If, if you're not familiar. Uh, so this band, The Wild Reeds, that I've been playing with for a few years now, uh, they started out in Claremont. Uh, it's three female singers doing their solo thing and then uh, eventually started bringing on uh, a full band and that's where I came in but also I met Kinsey in college back in the day oh, okay and that's how we all got connected um and stayed connected still to this day you know we're all still doing it yeah um and uh so I did shows before uh before that entity of the band got it at like like uh they would do like these Christmas parties so we would still do those Christmas shows every so often, but like we were doing it in Claremont and like uh, just like local community spots and it would be like a, like a small thing for family and friends and uh, they want, sometimes wanted a full band. So I would fill in and like figure out bass lines in those <laughs> spots. Like, Oh, nice. you're cool. You, you have some music. I, I know bass. It worked out. Uh, and yeah, it was sort of just it went from there. And um, now here we are post pandemic uh, having made all the friends that we've had over the years, and yeah, and having we have. and having like toured the country many times over, yes, and that I will say has definitely been a, a highlight of even just my own musical career for sure. Sure, I could see that. I, were you already gigging with other bands at that point? Before? Yeah, yeah. So I was, uh, I was working with uh, mainly this other band called Robert John and the Wreck. Uh, you might, I'm not sure if you remember them. The name sounds familiar, but I'm I'm not sure. They were like Orange County, like Southern Rock Blues sort of stuff. Yeah. Uh, another fun band, still all great homies too, like great people, great musicians. Uh, and yeah, I was playing with them at a certain point for a while, um, working with the other artists here and there. Um, so I was I was decently getting established into the city, into the community. Um, and then definitely like working with the Wild Reeds definitely stepped that up and grew that community because they were all down to grow the community too yeah well and i i don't know if i've told you this before but wild reeds definitely one of my favorite la bands of all time grateful to hear really <laughs> really grateful to hear i mean and i don't just throw those things around yeah that, that was definitely a, i'm, I'm gr- grateful to hear that because like that was definitely a time in our life where we just wanted to do what we did and like you know kind of build this community with us and see where it can take us and yeah it's taken us some places and uh it's it's great that people have been receptive to us just as much as we try to be receptive of everyone else too you know yeah well and it's also like uh i mean just to say for me personally again like seeing you guys from the ground up somewhat at rafa's lounge you know like yeah (laughs) and and then like seeing you pack out like the troubadour was just like that was a cool mo- I mean, just for me, like, uh, completely aside from the band, just as an observer was such a cool thing to see. Yeah. So, like, being in, in the band for that whole run, like, packing out the troubadour, and, and you guys have played some some of the bigger, 
you know, mid-size. I don't know if you, I guess you'd call that mid-size. Yeah, yeah. Right? It, it's, it's, oh, God. Venue. Yeah. It's mid-size. I, I, I hate the numbers game. I just, like, the numbers game of, like, how many people you can bring into a venue. But sure. it's a real game. And yeah, uh, it's, but it's also one that we're all trying to strive for in a, in a positive way. Yeah. Well, and I don't mean midsize in any negative oh, no, way. I, I'm just saying yeah. like, you know, there's like the big Greek, the Greek yeah. and the Hollywood bowl and stuff. And then yeah. Troubadour is kind of like the mid-level, yeah. which the, those mid-level or mid-size, it's, I don't mid, know, it's not it's even more a level. Mid-size. That's, that's the interesting thing I, I, I've level. seen out of venues. Cause <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's like. Troubadour is actually a smaller cap than a lot of these other venues, even uh, as like as uh, yeah, as I would say mid tier, mid level sort of venues where yeah. uh, you are packing out a house. But at the same point, the Troubadour is like this weird, really small capacity venue that has existed as long as it had, and still family owned. Wow, uh, yeah, and like it's one of the few. That's why I say like it's weird to say tiers because I. I consider the troop a little top tier by stature, not by stature. Yeah, yeah, not necessarily by by, by size, by size or capacity. Yeah, that's what I more I I meant more size than yeah. like yeah. I think it's a top tier venue. Yeah, yeah. Um, but there's those like the El Rey, and mm-hmm. you know, I, I guess we don't. I don't. Not everybody listening's from LA, and they're probably like, what is this they're talking about? <laughs> I, but <laughs> I, and I would say like even like the El Rey too, like bigger cap, seven hundred. Or seven to nine hundred, like upper middle class. Sure, yeah. <laughs> if you want to call it like, well, <laughs> however you want to do it, I, I, it's still really cool to see, you know, to have seen you guys pack that place yeah. out and, um, yeah. T- talk to me about that. Like, it's been surreal though. It, it it's all been extremely surreal because like within that is that whole process of like, you know, you want to grow your numbers, grow your 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 you know brand and all that but at the same point it's like that wasn't really our goal and we definitely had to learn how to do that yeah with the team that we were provided uh within our within our career and like um it was weird sort of like seeing how people do it because i mean obviously or not obviously but more so like uh when bands play for other headlining bands, just even having that opportunity that that does wonders. That's like this to me, the only thing that still does wonders is opening up for other bands. Yeah. And I have been lucky and grateful enough to have had the opportunities opening up for the people that I've had. And I think that is like the magic in it is like not necessarily where we're playing, but more who we're playing with or who got us to the point where we can play places like the Troubadour. I'm, I'm thinking of like, uh, we were touring with like shaky graves at one point. And also one of my favorites. And I just saw him in LA a couple weeks ago. Yes. He's a great, he's such yeah. a great dude. The whole team is awesome as hell. I was so excited when I saw you guys were touring with him. Yeah. And <laughs> they, re- they really gave us that opportunity and, uh, really, you know, made stories with us and really grew that community with us too. Just, you know, because we're trying to grow it and, uh, bring all the people that were in it with us along with us. Yeah. I mean, do you, do you have any stories from like either that tour or another tour with like a, a big artist that come to mind? I think I was thinking about this one the other day, you know, the band wild child. 
heard of them, but I, I'm not familiar with them. They're, uh, they're like a Austin band. Super cool, fun peeps. Um, and I can't remember what it, who it was, but one of the uh, somebody told me about the Cali Mocho. Have you heard of this before? No. It's red wine and Coca-Cola, 50-50 just right down the middle <laughs> and they had it on their writer and I was like this you, you can make this work when you don't have like liquor on your writer but <laughs> coke and red wine oh man well it's funny that do they did they on the writer did someone have to mix it or did they no, just no. need wine and just and a coke? box of wine <laughs> and a bottle of coke a it's big like old a bottle of coke big punch bowl full of <laughs> Oh, no, 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 not pre Definitely not pre-mixed. <laughs> oh, I don't know how. I mean, I, I enjoyed it, actually. It, it, yeah. it caught me off guard. At first, I was like... Mm, it doesn't sound like something I'd be into, but right. you know, I have no idea. Exactly. Then you get to it, and it's like, wow, this is the perfect pre-show beverage. I feel like it'd be so sweet. <sighs> it has its moments. It yeah. has its moments. It, I, I feel like I'm a seltzer person. I, I, I love seltzers. I've, I've been loving... I've been on the the Croy train for a while now. Okay. Uh, but I think it's just the mixture of the fizziness while also just getting wine drunk is like kind of where it's at. <laughs> gotcha. Um, and I'll not like sweet red wine too. Like, yeah, you know, the, the earthy stuff. Okay. I'm not a wine guy. I, I, you're talking. Yeah. I mean, I'm only a wine guy when it's like like what eight bucks at Seven Eleven, like <laughs> ten bucks, whatever. Sure. Yeah, it works out. Um. <laughs> But yeah, like touring with Wild Child, they're a fun fun band to tour with. Uh, we did a couple of tours with them. Is uh, that the craziest thing you've ever seen on a rider? Ooh, that that's a that's one that takes a second. That takes a second. <laughs> I feel, yeah, I feel like I hope there's not too many stump questions. But actually, there's a there's a one. Okay, so in in the instance of of uh, uh, writers, we did play a music festival right before the pandemic, like pandemicked, and it was at the rise of the White Claw. That feels uh, like such a uh, not that long ago, but yeah. was such a long time now. Genuinely speaking, was so, it? It feels I mean, like it just happened. It, well, I, we I was playing a music festival. I don't remember which one, uh, but in the green room. Uh, they had white claws just like in the bucket, and I was like, "Whoa! Like, like you got tall can white claws? I've never <laughs> even seen these before at that point in time. I can't even remember a time before that now. Right? <laughs> a, a time before the white claw, <laughs> before which, the white claw clawed. Right? Because they clawed right before the pandemic hit. Mm. But there was this weird sweet period where the world was normal and people could party. Right? You. It's almost the could be the official drink of the pandemic because it it blew up right before all yeah, that. So that's, that's what I'm. They've already. I mean, their campaigns are already campaigning. I I recently went to a white claw sponsored event in like I don't know July maybe. Yeah. So they're on it. They're 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 back in the game. Either that or just a Corona, like <laughs> the beer. Corona really tried with their seltzers and. <laughs> Well, just unfortunate coincidence of of the name. Uh, I I think that with uh, same with Delta Airlines. Yeah. <laughs> oh wow. Yeah. There you oh, go. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. 
Whoops. Yeah, what other uh, disease names can we associate with companies before they even come up? Yeah, there's going to be the, the Sprite um, variant. Oh, Mountain Pe- Dew. People are going to want that. People aren't <laughs> going to want that unless it's Code Red. <laughs> code Red, that's going to be a bad variant right there, yeah. <laughs> are, you, are you Team Code Red or Team Baja yeah. Blast? Either way, you got to get one of the vaccines. Okay. We yeah we we hit our quota for for COVID talk. Yeah, <laughs> cool. Let's avoid that Let's at avoid, all costs. Yeah, I usually try to. But uh, so okay, so you were talking me telling me before about like you did like a, a ton of these like bluegrass festivals. Yeah, yeah, and stuff like that. And uh, I don't know, you, you have sto- like anything good from that? Ooh, I feel like <laughs> yeah, yeah. I got some good. St- I mean, I remember one of my favorite ones was. Uh, and, and and they're all just like funny, fun instances. Like going down out to the to the car to go pick or go get some stuff, and watching while we're in Bristol, Tennessee, on the the buckle of the Bible Belt, um, this this uh, Chick Fil A cow, um, like you know, like a person in the suit getting undressed <laughs> by a companion behind one of the vans. And I'm pretty sure he's just like, you know, getting undressed cause he's in a hot ass suit. Right. Like in a Chick-fil-A suit, like dying. <laughs> but also it was just funny to, you know, see a, a cow, a, a, a person in a cow suit getting undressed like behind the van, just like, Ooh, you're getting into some stuff. Like <laughs> getting freaky in the the backstage of the Chick Fil A festival. It wasn't a Chick Fil A festival. It was <laughs> it was a bluegrass festival. I don't know why the Chick Fil A dude was there. Chick Fil A cow. Um, <laughs> why not? I mean, why, but you know, when in Bristol, Tennessee, was uh, he naked under there? I'm assuming he'd have to be because it was so hot. Yeah, I, yeah, that does not sound like it was worth the eight, yeah. eight bucks an hour or whatever. Yeah, that was uh, yeah, can't be. But I mean, and free chicken nuggets or whatever he got. One in Bristol. Oh, I hope he at least got some nuggets. <laughs> they do least, have good nuggets. I will least. say. Least. Yeah, I think they even had the nuggets in the green room. They had like boxes of the nuggets in the green room. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's something. It oh, it works. Oh, it's more than something. I mean, I'm not saying I we support Chick Fil A here, but damn good chicken. Good chicken. Why? Yeah. Why? Anyway. <laughs> yeah. So I I I remember playing one of those. I don't know if it was technically a bluegrass festival, but definitely like hippie festival up in North Northern California. Yeah. And. I, it was one of those where, like, I, I don't know why. I, I didn't even look at, like, what other bands were playing on it. Because, like, I think maybe I, I gave a quick glance and I didn't recognize any names. I was like, oh, it's a bunch of, like, NorCal bands or whatever. Yeah. And we're, like, backstage. Or, you know, they had, like, a whole back area with food and stuff. And somebody was just like, man, this sounds like that, uh, that like, that Blues Traveler song. Uh- and they were <laughs> just like, yeah, that sounds, that sounds pretty good. And we're like kind of vibe into it for like a couple songs back you know we were back far enough you could like kind of barely hear it and then we start walking out and we're like walking out front and we're like that's that's john popper oh my god <laughs> just like oh shit that is the bluegrass guy that is the the blues yeah. traveler guy the blues traveler the blues, yeah <laughs> and uh 
so yeah, so that was just kind of a fun moment of like, oh, I guess I do recognize somebody. Right, right. Here. In the scene, in the yeah. world of it. Yeah. <laughs> right. And when you hear the song, you're like, oh, it's that one. Cool. Right. That makes they sense. Got some, yeah, they got some shit that slaps, man. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> but he was, uh, he like sat during the whole, I know he's had like, he's had like a bunch of like weight fluctuate fluctuations and stuff, but oh. uh, I don't know. I, I don't. I don't know the details. I don't want to get too into it. Right, right, but right. he like sat for the whole show. It looked like that's kind of interesting. I mean, having that energy at that point, you know, doing it as yeah. long as you do. Um, I mean, do what you got to do to get through the show. Speaking yeah. of artists that like last forever, uh, I'm trying to think who's. I mean, the Stones, R.I.P. Yeah. Uh, well, and they just played. Yeah, in LA they did just play the other day. Uh, my my buddy, other buddy was like, "Oh yeah, they 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 just sound really good. Like best I've ever seen them. Best show I've ever seen." I'm like, "Oh no, don't say that." Oh yeah, <laughs> no, no. <laughs> well, yeah, um, it is what it is. But speaking of like artists that we have played festivals with, some of the highlights would definitely have to be like. Uh, playing with uh, playing for with what do you what do you do you consider with opening for when you're opening when you're playing a festival and they're at a stage all the way across <laughs> I, yeah that's one of those gray areas yeah uh i don't know if you're if you're on a different stage it's weird i i've had those two where it's like well we we kind of opened for clutch but yeah. there were like seven stages yeah. and we were not on the main stage so does that count i yeah. don't know <laughs> exactly we had like a we we were playing this little tent at outside lands the, one of those little nice. like yeah. small like oh yeah we have performers here too it's great it, it was sweet and they've always been really cordial and are actually big a big part of the sf community but we were obviously not playing the same stage as, say, Elton John and Tame Impala down the way, right. Kendrick Lamar on the other side. and I feel like it, to say opened for, I think you have to be on the same stage. Yeah. I, I'm just shots fired. That's what I'm, I'm saying. I'll take know. that. I'll but, take that, though. I'll, I will take that. <laughs> but you know what I just had a flashback to, which I kind of had totally forgot until, because when you were saying like, oh, we played a tent side stage, we played that one festival together forever ago. Lightning in a Bottle, Ooh, L-I-B. did play that. And wow. I, yeah, I just had a flashback to it. Blackwater Jukebox played a couple a couple of the days. And I, and at your, at, like it was your final song, you invited all the Blackwater guys yeah. up to play. And yeah. I grabbed like a tambourine. So technically... <laughs> I've played with the played, Wild Reeds. I we, play, have, we have played together. We have definitely played a show together. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. so funny. It was a hell of a collab. Yeah. Well, because Blackwater at that time was probably seven or eight people. Right. And, and we just wanted to fill up the stage. <laughs> yeah, we just thought it was just a massive stage. A massive stage with like as many sounds as we can. We knew we could count on y'all for that. <laughs> definitely we, a lot of sounds going on, yeah. And also being the only instrumentated band where... Every other artist at Lightning in a Bottle was one DJ on two <laughs> CDJs. Oh my god, that was that was the bummer of that, uh, or at least whatever that performance yeah. was like. So Lightning in a Bottle, I think it used to be more band so like yes. oriented, but mm -hmm. they started 
I mean, many, this was many years ago when right. we did this, but they really started sw- switching more to like rave kind of scene, yeah. like DJs and just huge loud thumping. Right. Which and I love that scene too, but... It's fine, but like to try to still do the band thing. Yeah. Like, I mean, the Wild Reeds are not that quiet, but like you could hear the thumping. You had to really be close to the stage to not hear the thumping. Yeah. And then between each song... It would just you just hear dong dong dong, right. and it's just like uh, it's just kind of one of those bummers, yeah. For especially for you guys, that it's like that, you know, it's so emotional and intimate, and these like well crafted, sometimes like very dynamic songs where it right. goes takes you on a journey and can start really quiet, or there's just and the so to have like DJ thumping in the yeah. background just totally takes you out of it, which definitely has been just the bane of any festival we've played and right because but you guys get that a lot it's more so i would say like nine times out of ten it's another artist that is contradicting to your sound it's not even like it's yeah it's not even like Oh yeah, there's another like quiet dynamic band playing next to you, like just like you guys. I was like, no, they're 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 curating it so that you can get a little bit of soft on one stage and a little bit of loud on another. Right. So at everyone's, someone's gonna be at odds at whatever point, unless you get like you know the two bands that oh I think my fa- my favorite like mashup of artists I've ever seen on two stages was uh, I don't remember which Coachella it was like Justice on the left. And uh, girl talk to the right. So like two like <laughs> pretty like dancey artists of the time, like playing at the same time, clearly doing DJ work. And it worked because at least they're playing at the same damn tempo. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? Just try to link up. They were just remixing each other's tracks, basically. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, yeah, when it... It, it, more often than none, it's just contradictory at the festivals, I feel like. Lighting in a Bottle, though, was also just such a great festival. Still is a great festival if, if they decide to keep doing it. I'm not sure if they did it this year. I remember Moby played the year we we played. Oh, really? Yeah, oh, wow. that was a highlight to see. Oh, my God. I, I didn't... Yeah, I definitely didn't see it. We, I, I re, all I remember is just a like kind of insane loadout trying oh, yeah. to get out of there. Oh yeah, because I mean, any festival can can have that, but it was like the last day, and uh, it, like it was such a big area, and then like you really when we had amps and stuff, like you really needed a cart, like they had golf carts or whatever. AT, I don't know, ATVs or something. Yeah, and. It was just like every band was trying to get the fuck out of there. And so it was just All like... at the same time. Yeah. And so we ended up just like carrying a lot of our shit. <clears throat> at one point, we were just like gave up and just carried our like amps and shit like a long way where it was like, this is so stupid. That definitely feels <laughs> like... I, I think the biggest relation to that would be Warp Tour. Yeah. But like we were just... I was playing with the Robert John... And the rec band. Yeah. And we were playing Warp Tour. And uh, yeah, they don't care about you. <laughs> they don't care about anybody. Once you're there. done, especially once you're, once you're done. done. You know, like you, <laughs> sh- they don't, they don't, you're not liable for anything. But even more so, even at Warp Tour, I mean, it's, it's just a roughneck sort of like vibe. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, carrying a bass amp across the uh, Pomona. Was it Pomona? Oh, I think it was a Pomona, Pomona uh, field. 
Okay. That that horse, the racetrack, uh, the Fairplex. Oh my god! I think it was a, or was it Orange County? Either way, it's a huge field and it's unnecessary. And yeah, I don't do enough upper body for it. That's just what <laughs> it is, you know. That's fair. Yeah, it's all it's all leg strength carrying all these amps, you know. <laughs> Pushing is better, <laughs> right? Than carrying. Yeah, I mean, you got to have a good cart, but if you don't have the cart with you, then it doesn't do do so well. Ooh, imagine like bass amp casters. Oh, they just don't do it. Well, not not on a field. Not on a field. Uh, yeah. Well, and even the cart. I mean, I so just a week ago, I had a get. I, my amp has it's fallen. It's taken its number of tumbles. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry to say, but it's just happened, and it's always been fine. I've, I've been playing with this amp for like eight years as my my main amp. Okay, let's talk gear talk. What is it? Uh, it's a Mesa Boogie, um, Impulse 600, um, and that's the that's the head. Uh, and anyway, I I it was like a what did I playing a relay for life thing? Mm-hmm. And so it was like, you know, wheeled with my cart and the last, literally the last foot to hit like some divot <sighs> and the, the amp just took this and it's not a tall cart. It took like a foot, just kind of <sighs> tumble, just tumbled off side. And I was yep. just like, it'll be fine. It's done that before. And I go to, I plug everything in and I was like the first one there, but, but we were supposed to start in like 20 minutes. Oof. Like I was, and I was still the first one there. And I had nothing. And I was just like, are you kidding me? And like, I'm like, check the battery, check Ugh. all the, change all the cables, everything I could do, nothing. I got saved because like the the main guy, we literally didn't play until over 45 minutes after we were supposed to start. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I was still was like the first one ready, even though it was like 20 minutes of troubleshooting and then like, having to go direct into... I got saved, but the sound guy was just like, yeah, you can go into my system. Yeah. Because, like, the band wasn't supposed to use his system, and and he was just like, yeah, sure, you can go, and just, like, saved my ass. Wow. That's um, a whole situation, because, like, that yeah. is going out of your way. Yeah. Not, not just for another bass amp, but the whole system. Yeah. Well, yeah, he just had, you know, just two speakers uh, for his, like, DJ. Oh, stuff. that's what it is. It okay. was just a DJ. There was just like two big, you know, house speakers, wow. and I was just like, "Dude, uh, I'm kind of screwed here." And he was just like, "Yeah, you can. Go, you want to just use the speaker?" And I was like, "So I was very appreciative yeah. <laughs> the whole night, but it it totally saved my butt." Oof, I just I just heard recently. So I'm playing with Dust Bowl Revival right now. Oh um, yeah, and I was talking to uh, one of the horn players about his story. He was telling me about how. He had uh, a gig, and it was the one time. Uh, uh, actually, do you know Max O'Leary? I don't think so. He, he's uh, he, he plays in a uh, trumpet in a lot of other projects here and there. But uh, he was telling me about how he um, had a gig, and the one time he forgets his mouthpiece, the one time, you yeah. know. So he he's like panicking and doesn't know what to do. It sees that there's like a, 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 like a Cuban music club playing across the street. Or it's like some sort of Latin music club playing. And he goes in there, looks for the trumpet player and goes like, hey, I'll give you this amount of money if I can rent your mouthpiece or or rent a spare mouthpiece and come back with it. And then he let him do it. And he played the gig. Like, you know, some people are saviors out there. 
it does happen. Some major saviors. Uh, Have you ever had any one of any of those? Oof. Or like something, or something that you've you know forgot that, uh, or just have any kind of malfunction oh, <laughs> stories the, like that. All the malfunctions. Oh, oh my god! It's always something with the pedal board. Yeah. Um. I mean, not. I mean, I. I, I hasn't. I haven't had anything major. I, I've always been able to. At the beginning, it was a little rough, but always managed to unplug and plug and direct you know that move sure um amp stuff uh huh you know what ampeg has never once failed me Ooh, I, I wish knock I, on I, wood, I, yeah. I i mean i'm knocking on it but like <laughs> you can knock on those tubes as many times as you want and like somehow you i mean as is obviously the old big boys are like you know, they're just, just a beast. They're a beast. They're tanks, but they're still old. Yeah. Uh, and that's the only time I've ever had maybe some instances. Um, ooh, I, you know what? I can't, I, I mean, I had to get it repaired once and that was just cause like one of the chips were circuiting or, or, were shorting on it. So it would just have like really weird moments of like, uh, lower volume, upper volume, like weird compression balance and stuff. Yeah. Um, so then eventually I would just go DI. So like, I think the solution I've always had was just go straight DI, figure out the rest later. Right. Can't hear yourself assume the notes. <laughs> That's a, always a tricky thing, man, when you have to go DI and, the, you know, maybe there's no monitor or oh, it's yeah. just not a ideal situation. It, it, it brings a new uh, meaning to uh, the phrase reading the room because all you have is your bass in the room because you can't hear anything else. Yeah. Oh, man. Hard to play confident in that yeah. situation yeah exactly and yeah it really just goes into like I, I go into this mode where i just like like close my eyes and turn on my other sensories to try to compensate yeah <laughs> use that echolocation and trying to <laughs> uh, <laughs> compensate for what doesn't work everywhere else in the world that's why they pay you the big bucks right oh, that's why they pay me the big bucks yeah. i got echolocation right yeah <laughs> Uh, I I just remembered uh, just speaking to like I don't know gigs where somebody forgot something or whatever. Uh, played this. It was like an outdoor festival thing, and they had a house kit, and like the we we were opening for like the the headliner was like a U two cover tribute band. Nice. <laughs> Wait, which one? Uh, I don't know. Not, N- not name known. one. <laughs> I, I I wish I I mean I I just love the fact that they. Pr- they so, probably have a really funny. You're probably like, right. You know? <laughs> you're probably right. It's called uh, either that or Joshua Tree, which that's not fun. It's called Sunday Bloody Sunday or something. Yeah, yeah I don't like know. yeah, it has to be something funny. <laughs> with with that kind of not maybe not with that kind of band. Sunday like, Bloody Fun Day. <laughs> somewhere in there, it's yeah. somewhere in there. But so anyway, we we did our our gig and and then like they're setting up. And the drummer's like, "Where's the, where's the hi hat clutch?" And our drummer's like, "Oh, there wasn't one, so I thankfully had one and 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 used mine." Mm. And they're they're like, "Well, it, there was supposed there was one on here, blah blah blah." Like the organizer girl's like freaking out, and she's like, "They're not gonna go on. Like if like, can we, can we rent?" Can you like? Can you stay? He's like, well, I gotta go. Like, I can't stay. Oof. But and he's and they're like, well, can we can we like rent it from you? And he's like, 
I guess. And they're like, we'll give you $250. There it is. And he's like, okay. Like, it was, he, he like came up to us after and was just like, it's like a $30 clutch. Yeah. And I'm probably not going to see it again. And our, we were getting paid, I think it was like a five piece band and we were getting like 500 bucks or something. And our, our band leader was fuming yeah. because he's like, I had to like go back and forth with these guys just to pay us 500 bucks. And then in the like drop of a hat, they're willing to pay our drummer $250 yeah. for a clutch. And I will say to our drummer's credit, he, he gave us all, he split it with us. Like he gave us all fifty bucks, right, right, and we were, and I was just like, "Damn, that that's badass!" Like, I was trying to think, like, would I have done that? <laughs> yeah, I mean, out of desperation, that's tough because, like, that is a desperation fee. Yeah, which I totally understand that, but also, yeah, I we know what kind of budget you got, and like when you're going yeah. back and forth trying to negotiate. That yeah, that would totally get me fuming, especially when you know that there's like a decent budget ready for it. Right. Oh, that's heartbreaking. That is so heartbreaking. But yeah. that that is also the way like uh um I mean so I, I started working at the Regent Theater yeah. over in downtown and like cool spot. Yeah, and like just seeing like how venues work has been been an interesting one obviously from the other side, like from oh, yeah. from the musicians' perspective. So like seeing those rental situations are like, wow, that's it's tough, but like not to say they got. I can't say they do or don't have a budget for it, but like they're, they they're a company like anybody else, and like all of these venues, yeah, like they will make it work somehow, just as much as the artists will too, right? But also, you know, depending on the show. <laughs> but they're also business, and they're trying to make money. And yeah, exactly. So, yeah, I, but I mean, get it gets it. to a point where like sometimes some things are like overpriced or overpaid for for whatever reason. Just every venue. Sure. Uh, and yeah, we've had those instances too where we're like, we get paid a little bit less for whatever reason. Um, but we were also lucky to have worked with, I mean, we've had our fair exchanges of like tough situations with shows. Uh, like what? Let's see. I mean, in the early years, it was always just like a little less like getting dicked around. But in the later years, obviously, once you get on, like, booking agency stuff or, like, even, like, collaborating with any sort of booking agency or agent in general, like, oh, it becomes so much easier. And that's why I have such a love and appreciation for people that work in the industry because I don't have that kind of heart. I don't have that that uh that that means of like getting those shows getting those tours and i'm so glad that there are people that see what an artist is trying to do and try to like make that work for them so shout out to all uh the managers the agencies and the production companies that make all of this happen that's yeah. ultimately like my biggest thing because it's cool yeah um but also because you know when playing a show you don't want to have to worry about Getting dicked out. Yeah. Because if you get dicked out, at least someone's arguing on your behalf. Right. Well, they're, I guess, tour managers. There you go. Yeah. I mean, you know. Yeah. 
if you can afford one. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, I mean, also shout out on the podcast if you ever need a tour manager. I'm ready to do it. I'm oh, ready yeah? to get, I'm ready to get in the game. I've I've been doing this for a while. That's fair. Um, I feel like I've I've I guess what my lack of like horrifying story or tour stories comes down to the fact that I've just had a really solid team that has really like made it work for a real long time. That's cool. I mean, I, I'm bummed to not hear a disaster story, but I, that's cool that you haven't had to live that. <laughs> there are some. There are some, but, like, let's see. I mean, there's one with, like, uh, <laughs> okay, okay, I got, I got it. All one. right, something's like, percolating. There's this uh, uh, band, well, the band Robert John the Wreck, uh, early days of my touring life, um, we played somewhere in one of the Dakotas. I'm going to say north. It's important. I think it was north, but it was like a farm territory, farmland. So, like, All right. the population was like maybe 11, 1200 people. Yeah. Um, some back ass town. And it was, uh, the singer's, um, it was the singer's, uh, family farm that we were staying at. So we stayed there for about a week so we can just like, you know, like buckle, we're in the middle of a tour and we can buckle down and have a moment to actually like set up and just nice. farm and write and like jam and do whatever. That's awesome. Uh, as soon as we get there, there's like a group of kids like just shooting fireworks at cows. Okay. And I was just like, okay, this is how we're like starting this like week of like living on a farm with no running water ah yeah we had a at a uh, those outhouses yeah with, like covered in spider webs and, and actually no covered in spiders you would see all the black widows just oh like my chilling <laughs> um that's a whole nother story of that's just a poop story how are you with poop stories on this podcast uh i'm pro pro poop pro stories. poop stories yeah. okay so this one was just like you know taking a shit behind the outhouse because i couldn't go in it <laughs> but also we could only do that so many times during the week so like we would have to go to the buffalo wild wings 30 <laughs> minutes out of town just to find a nice restroom and maybe get some wings while we're at it yeah why not but also like the one bar in town you know we go to the one bar in town <laughs> and <laughs> They look at us and they're like, "Y'all are a band, huh?" We're like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah. We we do some music stuff." They're like, "We'll give you five hundred dollars to set up behind the bar and uh, play a set." We're like, "Okay, cool." We're without gonna, even hearing you, without even hearing us, we're like, "Okay, cool. We're going back to the farm. We're gonna get our all of our gear, get in there, and so." We get there and they're having us play behind the bar, like on this patch of dirt on literally they just put a piece of cardboard and call that a fucking stage. <laughs> it was tight. Um, you know, we're playing all their classic rock hits that they want to hear. And uh, we're basically, they're just their live jukebox. Oh, you, you went with the covers? I mean, we did our stuff and then, yeah. you know, we knew what they wanted. Like, sure. We we, we uh, they did a really good job of balancing the cover band life with like everything else. You guys did a lot of covers. Oh, I'm talking about Robert John and the Wreck. That was okay. Yeah. That I'm different like band, totally. Different band. Yeah, yeah. So like with them, um, yeah, like their 
like Southern Rock Blues band. So like they're heavy on the covers. Gotcha. Um so like we're we're playing and like we finished for about I don't know an hour maybe an hour and a half set. And they go, "Okay, for every extra hour you play, we'll give you an extra 100." We're like, "Fuck, we're going to get real shitty tonight. Like it's going to be that. It's going to be that." So we get there. We're we're playing through the night and we finally get some a couple breaks in between. We walk in uh, this one guy uh, comes up to me and call, uh, and he's like, hey, what are you, like a chink guy for the straight guy? Like a play on the the the, 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 the queer, queer eye, eye thing, thing but yeah. with an Asian twist on it. Yeah. And we're like, okay, we're in one of the Dakotas. We're figuring it out. That's Classy. fine. I get it. We're, we're, we're there. And then my drummer, he's he's uh like he's like this Persian dude that like we'll get in your face about it, but not about being Persian, but about racist shit. Yeah. So like he goes up to him, he's like, So what the fuck are you? Like racist Macau fucker? <laughs> and then this guy goes on and tell us and tells us like Actually, by the way, like I work on the farm and I do stick my arm up cow's asses, so you can call me. Yeah. So he's like, "Oh yeah, so you are a racist Miguel." <laughs> <laughs> so he nailed it. He nailed it. He tried to evade the conversation and bought us a, a shot. We're like, <sighs> <sighs> "I guess that's it's, that's, that's fine. Uh, okay, we're in it." Yeah. Uh, and then go back to playing for another hundo, and we go back in. Next, thing you know, there is. A mother and her daughter, both I'm assuming maybe she's over 18, maybe even over 21. Nah, definitely not. Maybe. Small town like that, couldn't tell. Uh, the local patrons were just like doing body shots off of them. And like we saw we saw it escalate from like they were all talking to all the old dudes at the bar and then it ended up they were all doing body shots off of each other <laughs> on the bar. Mother daughter and old dudes oh yeah yeah so that's the north dakota party <laughs> that's the north dakota way um that's fun yeah that that band had a lot of wild stories well and you know what's interesting is like when you really break it down so is there like an extra hundred bucks for an extra hour like that's not that much money like at it's that not. point at that point I don't know. <laughs> I mean, also, they're paying for drinks. So okay. it was an excuse for us to get drunk for the night. Yeah. And then walk out with, like, what, 800 bucks, 700, 800 bucks, something like that? As a band, yeah. Yeah, as a band, like, that's fine. Yeah, <laughs> that's fair. Yeah, paid for our dinners. Right. We made a stew that night or the night next night or something. That's fun. Yeah. <laughs> it, was, it was a good time. Um, what was, like, the... Sorry. Were no, you, go, go ahead. Go ahead. I was going to say, like, what's the toughest, like, schedule, like tour schedule you've ever had? Ooh, definitely. Probably, like, something that had to do with South by Southwest. Yeah? Definitely. That's so funny, because <laughs> I'm not going to take over your story, but, like, no, my... my like one of my toughest ones was has to do with the South by thing, too. Yeah, I mean, that's South by. Like... <laughs> That's what it is. It's, it's, I mean, it's Austin. It's big old Texas. It's a good time. There's always great bands playing. Uh, I had a, I had a really balanced like bands I wanted to see versus bands or like having to stick around yeah. where I was. What, what was so tough about your the schedule? Um, for uh, it was definitely the later years. The early years were super chill because you're doing all these unofficials and like you're basically like, day uh like afternoon to evening party nights you know right 
uh, when you're doing the official parties, you have to wake up early in the morning. You're going to do some radio show for a bunch of people in this convention that I'm like, how the hell did you wake up this early just to get to our show? I'm like half awake still in bed while I'm on stage. Like, and it's, 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 I mean, I think the wackiest one was like doing a convention like early in the morning for the, for a radio show that they're doing live. And I'm like, this is cool. This is wild. We don't have to be doing this this early. Right. <laughs> um, but aside from that, like it was like after that, it's like straight to the next show, straight to the next show. Hopefully, whoever's driving, maybe you had a TM that could drive your van. That's not going to find parking, but that can drive your van for a whole hour while you perform. Right. And we we luckily had our old manager uh, do that for us, and uh, he was nice. he's, he's a trooper for helping us out. Uh, as I said, we got a lot of good troopers on our team that really make the whole system work but that didn't change the fact that we still had to just perform like wholeheartedly from one gig to the next as if like because obviously your songs are a product at that point you're right people want to hear the songs but you also still have to keep in mind what you put into it and south by i feel like doesn't give you that time to really process that when you're performing these songs you know like something that you're trying to really bring intention to um yeah but it you know monetizes it real well <laughs> it gets it to the to the ears gets it to the right people right so it, it does its job for sure it's just yeah i think it, the energy dwindles and like trying to give your full energy was a tough one uh, aside from also wanting to see your favorite bands that actually <laughs> inspire you, that that you know the things that keep you going, yeah, you're you're even lucky if you get to see them. Hopefully, but I mean, you, you work for it. <laughs> yeah. What What was like the most, either the most sets or the most gigs you played in a day? You think probably with South by like I want to say somewhere between three to four, and it was like one of those like morning, two in the afternoon. And maybe one in the evening. Yeah, yeah. But it was, it was like they always typically take the weekend. So like, uh, in between sets, I remember seeing like Jamie XX like do a DJ set somewhere right after our set, which was such a treat. Um, and just getting to explore the city in general is always so. Ugh, so yeah, nice. it's just fun. It's a fun town for sure. So that have you ever like, I don't know, travel like travel logistics, or just crazy schedules? Have you ever had like any anything really cutting it close, really horrible happen or <laughs> anything? I luckily have only had to sleep at the airport as a band once. Wow! Of all the times that we've had to, we've only had to do it once. It was just for like an early set, radio set. Um, we even got lucky with our tiny desk so yeah we did a the tiny desk concert which was awesome by the way Thank if, you. if anybody hasn't heard of the wild reads and wants to check them out i think the tiny desk would be a great intro yeah definitely. would you agree with that definitely the intro uh we we even like pressed a record with that audio oh yeah um with them it was like one of the first like npr collaborations on a record that's badass. It worked out. It was, I mean, they they really uh, took a liking to us. They really gave us this opportunity. 
uh, Bob Boylan, the the guy running the show, um, he's always such a cool hang. Such a cool hang. Nice. <laughs> I cannot like express this enough. Like he he's always like doing such a great job of scouting people and uh, being talking to people, being just a down earth dude. That just he's yeah he's just a super down earth dude that goes to all the shows and that's cool. It's, he's just it's, a big fan. He's exactly that's what he is. He's just a super big fan that like genuinely appreciates what he's hearing and like will give those opportunities. I mean to everybody. I mean not to say like anybody everybody anybody he like, believes in exactly yeah and he you could really see his belief system. That's awesome as well as his taste. That's awesome. Uh, but with that story, with like the tiny desk, uh, we were really lucky to even gotten that because we were on tour. Uh, we were hitting DC. We were originally not gonna do it because the one artist or the the one time we were going in, someone had taken our taken that spot. Oh, uh, not our spot. It wasn't our spot yet. It was just a spot that was like there while we were in DC. Gotcha. No, oh, excuse me. Ooh, sponsored by High Life. Okay. Right. Do you want another one? I will in a second. Yeah, actually. Uh, I'll grab it. Um, basically, uh, so we were like maybe a day or two into the DC show. And then the sound guy, uh, Josh Rogerson, uh, also really amazing, amazing sound guy. Like he's the one that's doing sound for the Tiny Desks. Okay. I'm a huge fan of his work. Like he makes magic with like very, very minimal sound. <laughs> it's insane how he does it. Nice. Um, but yeah, like he hit us up when, or, or, or like two days before DC happened and was like, hey, the band just backed out. Y'all still want to come in? We're wow. like, damn. So now we have to change all of our logistics, make right. sure that we're going. We were planning on staying the, in the last city the night before. I don't remember which one it was. But we would have to drive through the night just to make that show or make the tiny desk happen. And I remember, yeah, driving through the night, not through the night. It wasn't that long, but like to to the to DC, getting the hotel there in the middle of the night and like waking up stupid early just to try to make it work. Right. And it worked. Uh, and they had us in, and we did it, and it was like the greatest like serendipitous moment of like even just getting the call to like come back even if even though they knew they knew the other like they could have very well just had a day off you know right like all it would have taken was for them to be like you know what i've had a really long week i i, I don't think i want to like do another concert to today you know like if, if i had this opportunity but no they took this opportunity to like give us a chance and it was one of the biggest chances we've definitely had in our careers that's awesome yeah what was uh what was your like schedule usually like on tour as far because I know you hear stories of some bands driving through the night like consistently right and then just playing during the day or playing playing at night and then driving all night and then sleeping a little bit honestly you know? that was that was my life for a real long time before the reeds actually so like before the reeds yeah, yeah. so like. Uh, I mean, the Reeds had a, a fair share of that too, but that was during that career, like right in, right around the beginning of their career. Yeah, was when I was like doing those sort of tier of tours where I was like just roughing it. Yeah, uh, with Robert John the Wreck, we would always 
uh, drive out to oh, not Omaha, Nebraska. It was uh, somewhere near somewhere some town in the middle of Lincoln and Omaha. I can't remember what it's called, but it was in Nebraska. It was it? Yeah, yeah. Um, and we would play out there, and this dude would straight up drive twenty four hours on two just those two tall bottles of water yeah yeah like i don't get it i i (laughs) I, to this day do not understand he would go like four hours five hours without taking a piss uh see even that's impressive yeah (laughs) yeah and then still like be driving this 24-hour drive and like dude's done it numerous times like he it's just the singer too i swear to god like he just has this weird energy to be able to drive like that. I'd never understood. I mean, it, it doesn't seem really safe. It's at not. That point. <laughs> it, it's definitely not. We definitely could have been trading off, but like a mixture of that plus like just like this weird energy to be able to do it. Yeah. More power to you. So like, I mean, I've also like my very first tour was a a van tour with seven, eight people. It was like seven or eight people in this one van like one of the standards and uh it was a two-month tour going from la to new york and back all on all playing like hardcore it was it was a hardcore band yeah so like playing like vfw like veterans halls and stuff like that um and I wasn't even playing either. I was doing lights. Oh, really? I was doing like that light box where you just plug in a bunch of floodlights to it and <laughs> press the button and it flips. But you yeah. do it, you tap it to the music. So, yeah, that was a time. But yeah, like I, that was those are my roots. It's gotcha. like, like rough, like touring, <laughs> like yeah, getting real shitty bar gigs, touring and uh, uh. I mean that had its all whole phase of message too, but then and the reeds were doing it too, but eventually, so the schedule became uh very easy after that once we like you know had enough money to make standards for ourselves, yeah, uh so uh, by the end of it my my touring schedule became like um wake up in the hotel, go to the gym in the morning, <laughs> do the four hour five hour six hour drive. Get to the sound, uh, sound check. Uh, explore the city. Make time for dinner. Maybe go thrifting, uh, and then play the show and and like drive. Do the 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 next either stay in the hotel in the nearby area or do the drive through the night. But we wouldn't drive past. We wouldn't let it drive past like even midnight or one as a band, wow. just because like we had a good booking agency i would be mindful of of uh of a uh, routing that's but great also like sometimes they would give us some really funky routing stuff just to make markets meet you sure. know so like if we had to meet like let's say we're playing chicago or uh, uh actually no let's just do like new york going up to boston that's like a definitely like, you could do both of those in one weekend you're not going to want to do boston on a monday and then and have having done new york on a sunday kind of stuff right so it was just like a lot of like going back and forth east coast and also the logistics of that trying to find an amp we had like a whole you weren't touring with an amp 
Well, I was. I was. I just, there were situations where I had to get a fun little deal from Fender. Shout out to Fender. Thanks for the little bass amp. I don't even have it anymore because it's somewhere lost in the East Coast. (laughs) I mean, I think someone has it, but that's what we would do is like we would uh, have someone hold on to our gear and obviously they'd use it too. It'd basically be gear Uh given to them by us that was used whenever we were back in town. That's pretty cool. Yeah. I like that because then you could fly. Yeah. That that was the ultimate, like, because we were just doing so many many more East Coast shows and uh, that was definitely like a market we just really haven't been able to touch. Obviously, when we're out here in the West Coast, like, we we could stay here. Right. (laughs) We could stay here for a while (laughs) and not have to see the rest of America and actually be kind of okay. But you want to expand. Of course, of course. We all want to expand and see the world, but... Yeah, like West Coast, it does have its own circuit, just going up and down, up to Seattle and down, you know? Yeah. I, so, but you, the the schedule with the reads was a lot chiller, like you'd get a lot more built-in days off and stuff like that? Yes, we did plan like days off through the week, maybe I think minimum three, max. Uh, like out of seven, minimum three? Yeah, something like that, yeah. And that would obviously, like, change based on whether the shows were doing well. Yeah. Um, the... I wouldn't say it was too... Uh, it, it had moments of hecticness, but it didn't really, like... Uh, it wasn't unruly, because especially we were, like, still driving through, like... Um, not driving through the night so we were we were just um yeah the driving was minimal the most longest drives we would do at that point would be like six to seven so like doable doable exactly if the routing was still wacky it would still max out at six hours um and that was sort of the rule that we made that's cool yeah that's when you hear stuff like that that's when you can kind of go like oh that's that's reasonable. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Because otherwise, you just—it's just burnout, you know. Mm-hmm. And that's that's all routing, though. Like that's all just routing stuff. Logistics, like, organization, you know. Yeah, and like trying to route on like independent budgets—that's a whole different game. Because you know, you wish you had the marketing specs to like know which cities to be in that will work, that will have venues work with your schedule. Yeah. Uh, on that end. Um, versus, you know, just like having to do the one gig on the weekend and then fill in your gig, your week with something else. Sure. That hopefully isn't as big. Then you end up in Chicago on Wednesday. Right. Because that's what they give you. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Yeah. You just kind of got to, got to work with what you got. Yeah. And we've, I've been always, I've been grateful to have teams, friends, musicians that, have been as fluid as they have because I definitely would not be anywhere near where I am without it. And especially with uh, the lack of touring nowadays or just like the minimized touring, it's like you really need that. (laughs) Yeah. Is there any show or anything that stands out as like one that was your proudest moment or or just one that really stands out as as an awesome experience? Oh, so this goes back to like even what I was talking about, like opening for people that really like impacted me. 
I think at least one of the cathartic moments I had was like watching David Byrne, like at yeah. we were playing a, a festival in Atlanta with him. And uh, yeah, it was just one of those things where it's like, I, I feel like, wow, I've gone to a point in my life where I could say like, I didn't pay to see David Byrne <laughs> because I was supposed to be here. <laughs> yeah. Like for, for, for my other stuff. <laughs> and not a security guard. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I would do that too. Then why not? <laughs> be a security guard just to watch. No, no, no. To have David Byrne playing behind me while I watch the crowd. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the, that's what you don't think about as security is like, <laughs> They're not allowed to turn to the stage if depending on where they're standing. Mm-hmm. I, I've really, I, and also with the regent, like been really uh, uh, been able to get friendly with the security guards there because they're literally helping us every night. They're the sweetest people, and like I wanna, I wanna, I wanna just show them all the love and give them all everything that I can because they have to do such a like thankless job. Thankless job. Uh, and don't even get to enjoy half the show sometimes, you know? That's the big one, too. Like, my my head of security over there, he is such a huge music fan. Like, we both just text each other, like, hey, I heard uh, me without you playing again soon. Like, we, we got to go to that. Like, <laughs> yes. I feel, I feel that so wholeheartedly. Um, but, yeah, like, yeah, just being around people that appreciate the job, uh, being able to play shows with people. Oh, and that's another one, too. So one that I did... Uh, share the stage with was uh uh randy newman and uh uh charles bradley wow charles bradley that one was like that one hit me like being able to see him on the same stage and like do his thing especially obviously after he passed i was just like like that's when you, you carry on you you know that's great um yeah, I feel like it, a lot of it for me has been like getting the opportunities to perform with those that inspired me to perform. Yeah. Like that's always been the biggest thing for me. Um playing certain venues does that. Like I mean, I think I did that. I I had a I had a feeling like that playing in New York. Like, you know, when people come to LA, people will say like, you know, like you're in LA, you made it, all this stuff. Like cuz we know we know what LA is. Uh, uh, we we know what it is. <laughs> but like, yeah. I feel like I get that same sort of like wanderlust from New York. Sure, New York definitely does that for me. So every time I ever play in New York, it always is like so cool, so fun, and like the vibes always right. Um, I always feel like I can just and those are my fun days off. Like having a day off in New York and finding a random like food festival going on down like in brooklyn like yeah ugh. and then just finding good food that's actually you know what i'm gonna just say this my the biggest reason i tour is for the food for the food it genuinely <laughs> is for the food um i love the opportunity of traveling traveling for food like going to you know going to portland maine getting just like a lobster roll real quick <laughs> um those are like highlights uh Going to the, I mean, always going to the bank, getting some chowder or something. Uh, going to Texas, getting that, getting that brisket. Oh yeah. You know, um, getting some, some, uh, some ribs. Oh, and then I have to like do the blasphemous thing of like going to St. Louis and like getting their ribs. <laughs> Why and, is that blasphemous? 
<laughs> I mean, if you're like local to those regions, I just I'll eat everything. Yeah, I'll eat everything and anything. Just give me blackened tips, whatever. I'm down. <laughs> so, would you say? I mean, you've done a ton of touring. Mm-hmm. Do you like touring? Yes, I would continue to do it. Yeah, like I don't get it. I don't understand why. You know? <laughs> I genuinely don't. Like, I mean, it reasonably. Um, it shouldn't make sense, but you know, taking the time to meditate on it this whole year and not do it really showed that I really genuinely miss it and still want to do it. And, uh, like, yeah, I think it's just one of the most feasible jobs for me in my lifestyle. Uh, interesting. What about the rough, like, would you do the roughing it tour oh, again? Oh yeah, for sure. So you're not even to the you weren't spoiled by the No, no. by the good schedule. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm grateful for it. I'm ever so grateful for it, but like the roughing it out like it's not nothing it didn't really affect me too much. It was uncomfortable, but like Right. It wasn't anything unmanageable. You must be good at sleeping in cars and stuff. Oh, I'm so great. See, that's that's such a big... <laughs> yeah. I think I've probably mentioned this on the podcast before, but like that's one of the hardest thing. One of the things that makes like roughing to roughing it tours mm-hmm. hard so hard for me is like I I just don't sleep in moving things. Yeah. So like. I'm just like always tired. <laughs> like, I get that. And it's, yeah, and it just, it catches out, you know, and I'll, I'm good at just pushing through and making shit work, but like I still have to like really push myself to be very uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. And it's hard to like want to do that too much, especially getting older. So like it's really interesting to talk to you who've toured way more than I have. And, uh, I mean, the last tour I did was going to be, like, super posh, <laughs> um, which was right at the start of COVID, and then we were in China at the start of COVID, and then, so the two-month tour turned into four days, but, um, Oof. yeah, but that was going to be, that was going to be a two-month tour, that was going to be the longest I'd ever gone, Oof, yeah. and so I only got to experience that for four days. <laughs> which is, I mean, like, right before pandemic, I was right there with you in terms of, like, we had a a, a seven-day tour, nine-day tour turn into, like, a three-day tour. But we were in Brooklyn, and we were playing our last show. It was with Dust Bowl Revival. Yeah. We were playing the last show at Rough Trade, and that was the day that we found out New York was locking down. So we were going to be the last show at wow. Rough Trade, New York. And then we find out after the pandemic and all that, yeah, they're not even a venue anymore. They're not even a business anymore. Wow. Have you heard of Rough Trade at all? Yeah. Yeah. The Rough Trade Records uh, yeah. record store in Brooklyn. Oh, not even there anymore. And that I didn't know. Yeah. Oh. And that was one of the harder ones, even just seeing like not only our shit's getting canceled, but the venues are not like even, going under. Yeah. They're going under too. So. Um, yeah, anyways, but like going back to, uh, sleeping, sleeping, I think you're onto something. You're on something big with that because I, I mean, and maybe I'm just getting older too and I'm having a little bit more trouble with, with sleeping, but like I used to be able to just get one of those neck pillows yeah, and sit 
on the middle bench. I'm not talking side left <laughs> left of bench or I'm not leaning on uh, anyone. I'm yeah. not leaning on anything. I just have <laughs> my head like tilted back on the on the neck pillow and I just have my ears in and somehow it turns into this weird form of like half meditation, half sleep. <laughs> Uh, and it's done me wonder. <laughs> oh man, yeah. See, I'm so jealous of that, but it's fine. You know, I I, I wish I understood. <laughs> I genuinely wish I understood it. I think my only like correlation I can think of is like when I was a kid, uh, going to like growing up, going to the temple. I would uh, they would have us like sitting, kneeling, and meditating for for like maybe I felt like hours, but like would be maybe like fifteen to twenty minutes. Um, and just practicing doing that throughout my childhood has just really let me fall asleep because I fell asleep during most of the the meditation, <laughs> you know? What a temple, a, a Jewish temple? A Thai temple. Thai temple. Yeah, oh. yeah. Um, yeah, I grew up Thai, uh, Buddhist. Okay. Um, a lot of random Thai temples in the city that you would never expect. Like, I, I, I would... I used to go to them as a kid and then I'd see them now and I'm like, how is this like hidden in like random North Hollywood? <laughs> There's a lot of stuff uh, hidden in, in LA. Yeah, you it's know. Like this studio. <laughs> like this studio, which is such a gem. Oh, thank you. Like seriously, anyone, I hope you get more interviews in here so that you can show it off a bit more. I can't wait to see how this grows and develops. Thanks, man. Yeah. Shout out Spacement. Shout out Spaceman. Yeah. <laughs> I totally yeah. baited you into a, an ad there, but I you appreciate it. You got me, it. though. You got me. Uh, <laughs> but you didn't have to because it's already too damn good. We're working this. This Thanks, is man. working in here. I appreciate you. Yeah, it sound, oh, my voice hasn't sounded this clear in such a long time. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's that unison preamp there. Oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I, so I'm wondering, uh, and we can, we can start wrapping up here pretty soon, but um, are, do, do you have any, like, Anything like disaster ever happen on stage? Any like you've played so many freaking shows, like you've had to have some some like crazy things happen. Oh yeah, on stage. We <laughs> Oddly enough, whenever it's a disaster on stage, I like my disasters tend to be a little isolated. Yeah. Where if it's a disaster, it's on my end. Like say, <laughs> like, nobody else knows. Oh, well, either nobody else knows or it's a everyone knows and it's my problem. Ah. And everyone just kind of looks at me like what's going on? Like mm. like some I guess the worst situation of that would be like just amp issues where I ha would have to yell at a sound guy and be like, "Yo, dude, just give me a DI and let's call it, dude. Let's make it easy." <laughs> <laughs> I don't care if I can't hear myself on the on the the board, I'll make it work. And I feel like that's just my most personal like awkward moment oh sure. there was i mean then there was also like uh when i was running the op1 towards the later years of the touring you know the op1 synthesizer it's uh, got teenage engineering like a uh, little baby synth that looks like one of those like uh random controllers but it's a whole ass brain okay like, it's just a fun toy fun synth to work with um but i would load up samples into it and one time I had the wrong samples loaded up. Uh-oh. You know, you know that game. <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, it wasn't anything horrible. It was just like an awkward, oh, let's change that real quick. And it's like, 
people notice, but if if I don't look at people, they won't see me. That's how that's how it works <laughs> on stage. If I don't look at people on stage, they won't see me. Right. Just act like <laughs> yeah. everything's normal. Everything's normal. I'm not even playing to a crowd. No one's even in here. <laughs> <laughs> um in terms of like disasters, there have been like I guess work I mean having the the three songwriters like we had uh I mean they all had their own things but like every so often it could be like a pedal board issue same with me um sometimes for them it's like they are trading off instruments all the time right so like there are a lot of like trading instrument issues sometimes nothing disastrous but like uh I do remember there was like one gig from hell where like I think Sharon was getting the worst sound uh that she could ever handle or like deal with. Um Kinsey was having technical issues with her pedals. Mackenzie was having amp issues. Uh I think Nick Jones had like a, a either a drum situation or like something where either the clutch broke or he didn't have another clutch to use. It was just like and then my bass worked fine. Like the one time my bass worked fine. I was like, okay, cool. Um, then there's, oh, oh, just hecklers too. Cause like, you know, we get, we get. Yeah. Tell me about that. Ooh, let's see. One of my favorite ones, not favorites, but like funny ones. Uh, so with the reeds, we were touring with, uh, the lone bellow and, uh, they are su- super sweet to us. Uh, they had a fan of theirs come to the show. Oh, this is like a two-parter. They had a, a fan come to the show, and this fan saw our, ba- our bandmate Mackenzie. She was wearing a shirt that said, Not My Prez, you know, at the height of the Trumpisms. Sure. Um, I mean, not to make this a political show, but like, you know, we're just, uh, I don't know. It's chill, part of the story. Chill musicians. Yeah. <laughs> um... But basically, uh, this person wrote us on Facebook and said some real mean stuff and just, you know, sexist stuff. And uh, I don't even remember what it was, but it got to a point where one of our fans and some of our friends butted up in the comments. And it became this 30 comment, 40 comment thread that we woke up to that morning and we were like, what the hell just happened? Basically saying, like, uh, the, the the guy's comment was basically in short, like, oh, yeah, I loved the show, but hated who opened for you. We don't need that political stuff shoved on our mouths kind of crap. And I'm like, oh, wow, this shirt shoved something down your mouth. I didn't even realize when that how that happened. You're crazy. <laughs> um, but, and, and so that's what started the whole fight debate thingy. And, uh... It got to a point where the singer of the Lone Bellow was like finding him on Facebook and then called him because his phone number was on his profile. Okay. And like his profile was also just a picture of him with a bunch of guns, you know, the type. Got it. Uh, I mean, also all for gun control, but proper gun control. You know, you know what we're talking about. That's where we're about in this game. Uh, <laughs> and so uh, basically... He calls this fan and the fan, he's like, 
yo, like, really appreciate you coming out to the show, but uh, you can't be talking to our opening band like that, and I'm going to have to ask you to not come back to our shows again if you're going to act like that. And then the dude was like, oh, I'm so sorry, man. I was just, like, joking around. We're like, oh, joking around. That's a that's funny. That's a that's a good joke. So <laughs> uh, that was sort of the end of that. Yeah. Um, but then we also, that night, I remember I had a couple come up to me and this is one of my favorite rituals uh at the shows i like to go outside after my shows and smoke a bowl and just share it with whoever's around like if you're a fan if you're a friend if you're a fan of the next band whoever you are i don't care i just want to share the weed and and hang out you know um and so like uh i met this couple and they were both uh smoking a joint and they came up to me and they were like hey you want some of this joint and i was like yeah of course of course thank you so much <laughs> for for the hospitality they're like yeah of course anytime uh and we're just talking casual for a quick second until it turned into uh the conversation about oh yeah you know the uh the robert e lee statue it's right over there down across the street you should totally go uh check it out before they tear it down it's a real shame that they're trying to tear it down Ah. And we're like, I was like, oh, that's that's where we're at. That's where you're at. That's what you're about. Cool. I'm gonna I'm gonna head inside and uh, pack up the rest <laughs> of my stuff. But thank you so much for the hit. Really appreciate it. You know, <laughs> and that's that was one thing of the story. But the other part of that story was that just the week after, there was that protest where that woman got killed when she got hit by the car. Oh right. And. Uh, that was a really bizarre feeling, knowing that that was what was brewing in these in, in those folk trying to talk to me about the statue. Right, that that's what was brewing behind that. And obviously, not to say that they're the ones that did it, but like this, the the it's it's in the air. You know, the tension was in the air. Yeah. And, um, and then going back to that one place and seeing that they they uh, changed the name of the street to the woman that got killed. Oh yeah, uh, and it was just like, yeah, that was another like moment with fans that connect with the real world because this is this is real, you know. And people go to see the art, see the music, to better understand that, you know. And I hope that uh, we can all still have these conversations without it getting ugly. Right. Yeah, I, I I think that's an important point right there. It's just, mm-hmm. you know, having the conversation without it definitely. getting and ugly. Especially Everybody's entitled when, to their opinion. Yeah, everyone's definitely always entitled to their opinion. And I'm just grateful that uh, there are respectful people that will even let me smoke their weed and still be that person. And, I, you know, as I said, I can appreciate the gesture, but, you know... The feels were there, and that's sure. something I, I I feel like I've been very introspective of when traveling is, uh, you know, just we are trying so hard. Everyone's trying so hard to figure it out, and I'm glad we are, but I hope that we are listening to each other at the same time. Yeah, for sure, man. I So do you end up having to stay with a lot of people on the road? Like, I know we were talking about, you know... Y- Stayed with a uh, former member of Blackwater Jukebox on the yes. row, you know. Yeah, we were Shout out Bulls. Alex Bose. Yeah. Uh, Bulls, uh, previous 
uh, podcast alum, yeah. which is a great episode that he has some crazy stories on. But I can imagine he'd have some some wild ones. I need to talk to him about that. Yeah, or actually, just listen to your podcast. Really, you could. Li- well, that'd, that'd be a good start because <laughs> yeah. uh, there's there's some good ones. Very graphic. Trigger trigger <laughs> warning on that episode. But um, yeah, I'm definitely giving you a good a PG, maybe a 13 here and there. I'm, yeah, I mean, yeah, we really haven't. I don't even know if there's any swears yet on this episode. <laughs> I don't go. I don't. I don't go too hard. I don't go too hard. I'm. I'm trying. Yeah, I have my moments. Talk but about weed. That's about it. Weed. Yeah, that's that's <laughs> what. I mean, okay. That hardcore drug. I guess like the wildest thing I can think of, uh, is going like that. I that I feel is like safe to say, uh, was with this girl in Portland, Maine. That was, she's really sweet and she's still real cool. Uh, but I just remember when we first met, because um, we we knew each other from the MySpace days. So many MySpace wow. friends. Old MySpace friends, you know? They're still out there. Still out there. And uh, she uh, came out to the show and hung out, got real drunk and like showed me around town. And it was like one of the better nights in Portland, Maine that I've ever had. Like, and to see what the locals do in the yeah. local bars and all that stuff. But I do remember going back to her place and, uh, like, it was just this weird thing where I can tell she was sort of maybe just too drunk. Sure. And, like, then would, like, she got naked and then started cooking. <laughs> and I was like, this is cool and all, but I, I'm not sure this is like gonna be like any sort of like anything like that because i think you're a little one too drunk and too oh you're cooking tight okay let's eat (laughs) (laughs) and then we just ended up like hanging out and then passing out but it 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 was never a thing but it was just like it was funny it was random that it was a random situation where i never figured i'd put myself in definitely could have gone a different way there yeah with the got naked yeah exactly because that's a, i think that's what baffled me was that she was so comfortable enough to be naked around me given this was like the first time we met met yeah you know but also like but food so cool <laughs> well and that shows you how much shows everybody how much you love food yeah that there's <laughs> a naked girl there and you're just like all right, I, I could eat some food. <laughs> yeah, no, that's that's it. That's it. That's exactly it. But also, she was very drunk, so we're not doing that. We don't promote that that's in this good. on this podcast. Yeah, good for you. Um, yeah, that wasn't really a raunchy one, though. Oh man, if you got another raunchy story, I mean, I I've had a death threat. In oh Austin. yeah, wow. Uh, I mean, just some random guy on the sidewalk walking through during South by just looked at me and said get out of my way before I shoot you to death and then did the I don't know if it was a real gun or a handgun thing in his like like a oh in his jacket kind jacket of thing? pocket yeah but I was like okay cool I'm, I mean sidewalk's yours buddy yikes uh cause you gotta Texas can still be Texas sometimes sure um let's see Okay. I think I got a... Mm, not a raunchy one, just like a smelly one. <laughs> I, I, I And I'll still remember, like, the first time I did coke was in San Antonio, Texas. And, like... Eh, that, that was never really, like, a, like, a, like, occasional thing for me. So, like, 
it was with. I'll just say it because I don't think he really would care. Uh, Sonny Moore's brother-in-law. Do you remember Skrillex? Sure. Yeah, it was like Skrillex. He had a a brother-in-law, and they were in San Antonio. He was in San Antonio, <laughs> and like everyone in that circle was just doing blow. And like I was like, okay, cool. Like, All right. One in, in San Antonio, Texas, I guess. Um, <laughs> the night ended up with. Me somehow, like, wrestling my keyboardist in the rain after the show. And, like, only because someone mentioned, oh, like, you used to wrestle in high school? I was like, yeah. They're like, show me some moves. I was like, okay, <laughs> we're just drunk now at this point. Um, and then going back to the bartender's house, but also that same keyboard player... Uh, going with me for whatever reason he wanted to which it was just like oh cool like this this cute bartender wants to take me back to her place and now my keyboardist wants to come to cool tight <laughs> read the room buddy read the room but <laughs> <laughs> then it turned to the situation where she was like oh yeah you know what the whole band can just come over and stay over we're like Oh, cool. Now it's that situation. Right. right? Thanks for the place to stay. Yeah. Uh, I mean, half the band's already staying with like this other dude. Um, so like we end up going with this girl, me and this, me and the keyboard player. And we get there and, uh, I don't, I'm trying to remember the series of events, but I remember getting in there and then, Everything smelled like dog shit. Uh, There's dog shit all over the floor with two of the cutest puppies in a cage. Oh, no. It was dark, demented as fuck, and I was like, I think I'm out. I don't think she's really that cute anymore. This yeah. doesn't feel very cute. Uh, all the while, like everyone's like coked out and all that stuff, so I was just like, I mean, I'm there too, and I'm like trying to have a good time, but it just seemed really like all the signs were just not there smell of dog shit everywhere yeah I'll take and, you out yeah and somehow that ended with the bartender asking me if the rest of the band wanted to stay over and to invite the drummer to her room because she wanted to hook up with the drummer ah uh, just to just to rub it in at the end there yeah yeah i mean which at the same point i'm like go for it yeah. <laughs> like and then she hits up the drummer and they and she like the rest of the band's like oh we can stay there cool let's go check it out they get there and they're like nah that smells like shit but the drummer still came through. <laughs> yeah, of course he and, did. And like got it's got, a drummer. He already yeah. smells like shit. <laughs> oh my god! Maybe uh, he did at the time, but I'm kidding. Some of my <laughs> best friends are drummers. That smells like shit. <laughs> that smells like shit. Ah, <laughs> uh, okay. Anyways, uh, yeah, that was that was the end of that. That's <laughs> that's my San Antonio story. I try to avoid the place of all costs, but I I hear great things about it, so I wouldn't, you know. I appreciate your candor. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, the White Rabbit was cool. That was a cool hardcore venue there. Okay. Um. Yeah, I'm trying. I'm still trying to think of some horror stories. You know what? It, most horror stories just involved like pets, and they're 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 not taking care of their pets' feces. Okay. I would say that's the majority. 
I mean, I had like one instance where like there was just the cat house and we all had major allergies and I think someone in the band with the reeds couldn't do it and slept in the van. Wow, yeah. Uh, which everyone tries to avoid to sleep in the van. I'm okay with it, as I said already. So, like, even uh, staying in San Jose, <laughs> like, I'll sleep in the van because we don't want any, we don't, no one wants to load the van late at night, but also no one wants to leave the, all the gear in the car. So, I'll be right. like, I'll just sleep in the car. I'm fine with that. Are you really going to fight somebody if they try to steal oh, shit? Oh, hell yeah. Yeah. Oh, I'm, I, I am down. I do not fuck around. Fair enough. And if they, if I do fuck around, people find out about it. <laughs> <laughs> do you, do you guys, would you guys travel with a, any kind of weapon? No, definitely not any weapons. Um, Baseball bat or anything? I mean, someone had like pepper spray. Okay. Luckily never had to use it. Haven't had, with the reeds, never had too many uh, aggressive situations. We would get the occasional, I think the worst we would get story-wise would be just like creepy dudes. Sure. Uh, and it, it can be almost as unsuspecting as like an old guy just saying, oh, you beautiful girls are so talented and so beautiful. And it's like, uh, you, get, you said beautiful twice, but okay. <laughs> Three times, four times. Okay. You can chill on the word now. And, right. You know, like like that has anything to do with the art that you're putting onto the world but whatever uh but it would be creepy in some situations where like these old dudes would bring their daughters bring their family and then you have this old dude just like doing the the you know the joe biden pat on the back <laughs> right yeah and it's like i get i get old traditional christian values you say but definitely not Un just uncomfortable situations come up every so often. I could see that, especially with, you know, with traveling with three girls. Yeah. That's got to be, or I don't know if there's any more in the tour touring party too. But And, and sometimes, and if not most times, it is. Because, yeah, we also had uh, other queer and uh, female identifying tour managers, staff, friends, homies coming around with us. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, that was definitely like, all factors but also <sighs> driving through like texas border patrol sometimes it pays to have like i'll just say it the three white women in the front and then the the two dudes in the back with the one brown guy in the very back <laughs> you know like because he wanted to be back there, not because he was forced to be back there. Oh, no, there. no. I wanted to be there <laughs> because I knew the moment I show my face, we all get pulled over. And oddly <laughs> enough, and here, as I said, like, I don't want to, like, think of it as, like, just a sort of sexist dynamic. But, like, I've never gotten pulled over with, or and, uh, talking about Border Patrol specifically, like, going through the uh, the um, Texas border and through yeah. the Arizona borders. Um, never had a problem with with the girls driving, and I always tell them I'd rather personally switch with them because I already know that I always get looks through the border, uh, and I get it. I get it. Like, I mean, I don't want to get it, but I get it. Sure. Um, uh, and that's yeah. That was always just typically the case, and uh, um. There, as I said, there were certain like benefits in that situation, but like for the most part, <laughs> like yeah, it's tough. And I would I would only say that in the context of like, given I've toured with more male, uh, 
male-driven, male-dominated uh, bands, and I have female domineering bands, but the experiences that I've had touring with female uh, artists show differences, but not in, in any sort of, like, way aside from, like, the, you know, things like that or just creepy dudes having to just deal with creepers more often than none. Yeah. Um, and it's like, and it's also not a way of like, we have to be a protector of any sort. That's like, I mean, I get that people have to do that, but like they hold their own. They, they already know what they, they need to right. do or say because they've been through it enough times. So yeah. it's like, it's more so like, it's not really an active thing even for me or Jones, but we see it all the time. And it, it's like, it's just, Ugh. Yeah, that's got to be a little tricky. Yeah, I mean, obviously for for both parties. <laughs> yeah, no, for sure. And but so, that's cool that I mean they're all three like confident, mm-hmm. you know, women. Yeah. So it's like I, I, that's cool that you don't feel like you have to like protect them or something. Yeah, I, I've never felt that way once, and you know there were situations where things felt sketchy, but like we're always just like reading the room and being like, okay, like we know when things need to like, or are like escalated to a point where we need to like get out of here. But we, we do a really good job of communicating with each other, with each other, what that is. And I think that's That's ultimately what it is. Just like making sure that we keep our boundaries clear with how we want to deal with fans. Cause you never know. (laughs) Well, and each other too. I, I, I mean, you guys toured for so long. Like how was that managing personalities? I mean, I don't know how much you want to talk about that, but <laughs> um, I, I can talk a bit about it. Like, I mean, we all definitely were very different people um, that uh, definitely saw the world in very different ways. But we all aligned in that we knew what we were loving to do was just to play and to tour. Um, yeah, and we all had our moments, but like, uh. Huh, let me let me let me think about this one because because <laughs> uh, like yeah like every band's gonna have their isms and yeah. um all the things that make you're, them tick that's that's what makes them tick that's where they're uh, getting a lot of the feelings that they get too right at that point when when you've been in a long a band longer is like when you're like when you're starting a band and you write an album your feelings are what you write of them and then when you're in a band for more than four years and then you like, you're already involved in each other's lives, then you, and I wouldn't say we're starting to write about each other, but the the feelings that you get are triggered by each other. So there are a lot of moments of having to discuss what those triggers were and like how to be respectful of each other about it while also still like holding our own true self-respect, you know, which, yeah. which was that weird balance. Uh, um, but I think we've also done a great job as a band. I mean, with all the bands that I've been lucky enough to work with to this day, we're all very communicative, you know. And uh, That's huge. Yeah, I mean, also it's also communicative till you're not, but also the the willingness to be communicative at any point is always appreciated and, and much needed especially in touring. I'm already, I'm always ready to have those conversations about like how to cohabitate cuz you're it also is cohabitation and yeah. technically houseless cohabitation. Right. That's super interesting. I do you have any like like you said you you would tour again? 
obviously like do you have any goals for like your career or my, something in mind do you do you think about things in those terms completely and i would definitely say like my goal as a even just as a touring musician has always been to figure out how i could do this consistently cuz it's like for me at this point it's i want to obviously make art create art play art that that invigorates me and like you know like f- fulfills me but I think it's also really important for me to just feel safe and consistent in it too. To be able to say, I, well, the act of me performing and playing is more important than the content that I am playing. And I want a balance of that too. Don't get me wrong. Like, uh, there is definitely a quality control to the artists that I want to work with. Uh, as long as it's aligned with, you know, my own personal values and uh, still has like the, have you ever heard the two or three rule? I think, I think it's something, I think I know what you're, the, I mean, there's different like names for, yeah. for it if, if I know what you're talking about, and but go, go ahead. I, I mean, I always called it the, uh, the money homies music vibe or the uh, money homies art and you only need two of the three to sure. at least be satisfied with whatever career choice you made within it. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting that this has been brought up a few different, few different times on episodes and it's like called a different thing each time. Really? <laughs> like the triangle I yeah. think was one of them or, but yeah, like it, it's, it's super interesting to think about it in those terms. Uh, and then it's like, sometimes there's, one of those things that's just so it's like you're literally playing with your best friends Mm -hmm. so it makes up for some of those other things or like you're being paid so much money yeah (laughs) that you're like but i think for longevity for any gig you need at least two of the three definitely and that's the weird thing too is that all of that will always constantly be shifting that's what i learned about sure it through touring was that it's a constant checkup. You have to constantly check up with yourself to say or ask yourself, are you getting this? Are you getting your needs met? Right. Um, and for me, it's really important to, I guess would say as my goal, to have that consistency to say um, that I know that I have gigs in store that fulfill two of three, you know? That's cool. I can, I can as long as I have two two gigs, two gigs that <laughs> one that pays well with good music, but they're shitty people. No, <laughs> no, like, good money, good good music. I'm mean, sorry. Like, what what what's the good combo? It's like good good uh good money. I mean, and you, good you, friends with crappy music. That means someone's gonna like it. So you have one of those gigs, and then you have your passion project, your good homies and passion like that something you're passionate about to me that's all like the great balance if you can't get all three out of one band which you can't always yeah it's tough i mean well and if any one of the things is that bad it can ruin the other two that's exactly you know? what it is yeah because you sure. could have your you're playing music that you really like with people you really like but it's like costing you too much money <laughs> and you're just like i can't afford to do this uh or you know, I, I, you could take any one of those three, and if yeah. it's like too too bad, it can it can like ruin. You know, the other two aren't enough. So it's like 
you know, it's a simplified way to look at it, just breaking it down to three things. Right. But really, each one of those things within it has yeah. a level of like, well, within that, you want at least a little... You, you don't want to hate the music, even if the money's good and the people are cool. You don't want to hate the music. And, it, and that that's because you don't start at hating the music. You grow into hating the it, music. Well, that can happen too. Like you said, it can shift. But yeah, and, and, it, and it, oh, and it does. Not to say that I've ever like hated the music. I've actually been really grateful to like work with artists where it's like, this is actually pretty fun stuff. Uh, hence why I say like, there is still definitely a quality control that comes to it. Um, yeah. But yeah, it's, right now it is really important for me to just be able to say, "Oh, I can still do this," because um, I, I definitely, as I said, like I still want a tour. I would love to keep going at it, but yeah, as long as it's actually a sustainable thing, right? Without having to just like do the side thing of like needing to become a studio head and like, and then I, I would love to get into the studio work more so too, but. You know, when you spend so many years on tour, you don't get those studio years, right? That I w I wish I would have put in too, but you know, I I I also chose the path that I wanted to too. Yeah, yeah, you can't do everything exactly, and that's <laughs> that's something I'm really coming to terms with. Sure, that's cool. I I mean, in closing, like uh, any any like bands you want to shout out that that you've been Ooh. listening to or that. Or, or maybe that you've been playing with? Or... Uh, yeah, I mean, shout out to Dust Bowl Revival for uh, hitting me up and letting me fill in. Uh, they've been they've been a really great band that I've been uh, really getting back into. We used to play a lot of shows. Did you ever play shows with them? I think so. I definitely saw them with you guys yeah. at some point. Yeah. Maybe at the Mint or something. That sounds about right. Yeah. yeah, they're a West Side band, so that would make a lot more sense. I think we did. Yeah, I think Blackwater maybe opened for them at some point. Yeah, that would but, make a yeah. lot of sense genre-wise. Sure. Just like slightly old-timey, but definitely party music. Yeah. Um, yeah, and they, they've been really great about like, uh, so as I said, like they were the last tour that I did before the pandemic and the first tour we did at the beginning of pandemic and that tour was actually all f seven shows six shows all but one canceled and then the one show that didn't get canceled had a thunderstorm huh. in virginia and then they made us play under a tent acoustically. It was this whole mess. My shoes were muddy. Yeah. It was a fun time. We were in the middle, but like, you know, in this like tent, in this giant tent with all these like, with this huge crowd of maybe like 300 people with kids too. There were kids up front. We we're like, oh my God, take, put your kids to bed. What's, what's wrong with you, dude? <laughs> right. That's always a funny, you know? <laughs> It's like, what are the kids doing here? Like, this is my bedtime. What are these kids <laughs> doing here? They just got up from a six-hour nap. That's, that's probably what that's happened. Probably, that has to be what it is. <laughs> um, but yeah, and it was just like this this crazy thunderstorm of a mess. Uh, it was wild. But as I said, shout out to them because uh, I've been just bad luck. Like, ever since I started the tour with them, yeah. it's just been like nothing has gone right, but not because of me, obviously. Or is so or am I COVID? I am COVID. 
no, the bane uh, of Dust Bowl Revival. <laughs> uh, but yes, they yeah, and they also have like a side project called Patio Club that that they've also invited me to. Um, nice. They, They've been really uh, inviting to get me back into the crew, which has been really nice. Uh, I'm oh open in shop, uh, open to uh, collabs again. So I'm like talking to any other artist that's trying to get some stuff going. Um, I've been doing some of my own electronic stuff here and there. Cool. Um, really diving deep. I've actually been diving in some like visuals lately, working through Ableton and matching visuals with audio and nice. trying to see what comes out of that. Um, yeah. And uh, I, I'm always looking for more gigs. So if you ever need a bass player, synth player, maybe even a TM, tour manager, I also drive Lyft sometimes. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'm doing it all right now. Just trying to, I'll give you a lift. You need a ride to the airport. You, a, you know you can call me. Yeah, like say your code or whatever. Oh, no. Like. I, don't, I, don't, I, haven't even, I haven't driven Lyft all year because of this whole <laughs> pandemic. But when I'm ready to, I'll give you that code. There you go. Um, Put it on the gram. Come out to the Regent Theater. Come see a show. Uh, we've got some really good ones coming up. Uh, we've got Tropa Magica playing soon. We just had Dead Kennedys play, which is wild. Um, and I'm working this Wednesday. We do you remember the band we came as Romans? Uh, yeah, that hardcore band. That, yeah. yeah, they're playing too. Like, whoa. like whoa, like how are they doing? <laughs> Crazy. Um, but yeah, we're just trying to get back into it. Uh, that's where I'm at in life. That's what I'm trying for. Right on, man. Well, thank you so much for your time. I appreciate you, and it's been awesome catching up. I hope, uh, hope to see see you at a show really appreciate you thank you for uh, inviting me again and this was fun let's uh, do this again when I get more stories that sounds good get some more stories come back say hi you got it buddy awesome man later cheers cheers